Are you watching closely? Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? A bad film on the filmography affects good film. I do like the idea of ten and done. So I'm watching the movie, the one I loved last night. And it's a really simple sort of science fiction premise used as an excuse to explore a husband and wife relationship. And after the movie's over, I find myself thinking about character motivations and choices they make, especially in the last few minutes of the film. And I like that. It's this little indie movie that probably cost almost nothing. It basically involves two actors through about 98% of it. But it's this cheap little movie that works really well because someone bothered to put thought into it. And I'm thinking about this as I know I'm planning to record a review of sorts for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And my disappointment in this much bigger film with a bigger budget, bigger expectations, bigger stars. The problem starts immediately in its structure. It is essentially multiple stories, similar to several other Tarantino films, but until the ending, we could just talk about that now, I've seen people talk about how the ending surprised them. There was literally no other way for the film to end, for it to be at all coherent. The multiple plot lines all had to join together in the end, which meant the Manson murderers were going to go to Rick's house. Because otherwise, there was no point in setting this story in this place. And actually, I think it would have been better served if it hadn't been connected to the Manson murderers or the hippies or any of the rest of that. Because the good parts. Filming of the pilot of Lancer, Dalton playing the villain in this new show, is pretty good. It's like if Tarantino were to actually make a western and keep himself under control by playing it like it's something that's actually going to be on television and he can't just use racial slurs whenever he wants and use profanity whenever he wants and tell stupid stories like he did in Hateful Eight about forced blowjobs and whatever else was in there. I don't even remember. If he could, someone would rein him in or he'd rein in himself, he could make an interesting western. But even that pilot filming goes weird because... It seems like he's trying to show us actual behind-the-scenes filming, but then films it with very modern techniques and modern cameras rather than film old cameras filming it. But it's an interesting story. At the heart of this movie, there's an interesting story about this has-been actor who's trying to remain relevant and his best friend who used to be his stuntman. And there's a nice relationship there between Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth. But then those stories separate. Cliff goes off on his own little adventure and Pussycat drags him out to spawn movie ranch. And we get, oh, and he, when he's repairing the antenna, we get this extended flashback out of nowhere to him fighting Bruce Lee because, you know, of course Tarantino thought that was cool. And in the midst of that, we get a flashback to an incomplete flashback, mind you, to how he accidentally or maybe on purpose killed his wife which is entirely irrelevant to the whole story. And the Bruce Lee flashback is entirely irrelevant to the whole story, except to set up the cool, which is what Tarantino loves. This is a guy who could beat Bruce Lee in a fight. That's our standard we have. So that when we get to the final act and he's fighting these crazed hippies, 
who should be easy to fight, actually, if you think about it. I mean, if you're going to suggest that all the victims had to do is fight back and they would have been fine, then you have to accept that the people attacking them either were really good at what they were doing, or that victim-blaming bullshit is bullshit. Real people get frightened. But Tarantino wants us to cheer on his misogynist violence against women in the end. Like, we have to repeatedly see a woman's face smashed against a mantle on a table. We have to see another woman not only see her set on fire. Oh, spoilers, by the way. See her set on fire, but the audience cheers it. Never mind a logical inconsistency in, would there be a Nazi film like that 14 fists of whatever the title was? If, in the reality of this film and the Tarantino universe, the Inglorious Bastards killed Hitler, would we get a Nazi film in the 50s like that? But you wanted to use a flamethrower. That's it. Back to the divided story, though. The hippie's story. Booth's interaction with Pussycat is great. The car ride is a nice little character beat for both of them. But once he's on Spawn Movie Ranch, it drags. It's a problem this movie has a lot, is it drags. It makes everything take way too long. Booth checking on Spawn to see if he's still there and still living doesn't serve the plot. That's a problem. Sharon Tate barely gets to be a character except walking around and smiling, which is nice. It's something cheerful separate from the rest of the film. And if you were leading to her death at the end, it would make for a jarring tonal shift. Of course, we don't get that. And so her storyline is also relatively pointless. And of course, there's stupid narration out of nowhere in one early scene, just to contradict something Rick says. You also get weird jump cuts and flashbacks and flash sideways at that point too, which is odd. This kind of thing you use throughout a film or not at all. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of narration about two hours into the movie. I assume it's because the original cut was going to be like nine hours long and he was going to divide it up like he did Hateful Eight. A narrator just catch up on things. We don't need any of the narration. We don't need... We get a label for Playboy Mansion, which we'll probably figure out it's the Playboy Mansion, A, because we might recognize it, B, because there are Playboy bunnies outside of it at the party, C, it doesn't matter whether we recognize it. All we have to know is that it's a party with dancers and stars, and you don't need to label three of those characters on screen. Like That's why we have dialogue, so we can find out who people are. There were jump cuts when DiCaprio and Oliphant have their first scene together. No reason. Just looks like bad editing, which if you're going to throw in some bad editing things throughout the film, cool. Then you're paying some homage to something, but it just feels bad and out of place. Shoehorning Zoe Bell and Kurt Russell into the flashback that has its own flashback. Unnecessary. Sharon Tate has so little, so little dialogue, I've already said. She's barely a character. Charles Manson barely registers as a presence at all even though he's the one driving the violence at the end of the film. And as everyone has noted already, all those close-ups on women's feet, people think Tarantino is just trolling us now, but that's not a good explanation. I mean, even if he is, that's stupid, bad filmmaking. 
we don't need your fetish up on the screen. Our fetishes. There could have been a remarkably well done and somewhat subtle for Tarantino drama about an aging actor and his stunt double. I mean, there, there's little hints of it here and there. And it could have been its own quite possibly great standalone story. But it doesn't stand alone. It's twisted into all these other things poorly. And the movie is... And I don't think I'm exaggerating, actually. About two hours too long. Is that as good for you as it was for me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? What of a Mandalorian? Why would you create such an abomination? This is the weapon of the coward. The, uh, it's a past stuff that dreams are made of. Cut. That's a wrap. It's over, Johnny. It's over! Nothing is over! Nothing! You're still here? You just don't turn it off! It's over. Go home. Go.